Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, this morning, I have, I have so much been looking forward to the start of this series that we're starting this morning, and it's on prayer. And this morning, I'm going to talk about, we're going to look into how to pray effective prayers. There's no point in praying if you don't get results. And we'll see that God clearly wants us to get results when we pray. I think that one of the hardest things to do is something that's hard work and no results. Like if I tried to diet and I didn't see some weight coming off, I couldn't, I couldn't keep it up for very long. And you'd be the same way. If you go to the gym week in, week out, you, you train hard and there's no muscle that appears and no fat that disappears. Well, how long are you going to last with that one? You can look at education. If you don't learn anything from all your studies or you don't get ahead somehow, it's really hard to keep that up. You just can't keep it up forever. You have to see results. And prayer is like that. I believe there's two main reasons why people give up when it comes to prayer. Number one, they don't understand it. What is it? How do I do it? And, and, and prayer is like, like most things, there's just not like one kind of prayer. It's not all prayers the same. That's silly. That's like saying all people are the same. There's strong prayer and there's weak prayer. Just like there are strong people and there are weak people and everything in between. Understanding prayer, learning how to pray is really important when it comes to actually praying and getting momentum. And we're going to look at that, how to pray and understand what prayer is in this series. So I'm looking forward to taking our time and going through that. And then of course, the second thing, and I've alluded to it already, the reason that I believe people give up when it comes to prayer is they just don't see results. And if we're honest about that, we, we all know sometimes we prayed things, we just didn't get the result that we really wanted to get, and sometimes we tend to put that off as, well, it wasn't God's will, you God must not have wanted me to have that. Perhaps that's true, but that's, that's a simple kind of an answer as a cover-up for not getting results. And this morning, we're going to look at how to pray effectively, how, how to pray prayer that gets results. I want to pray. I want to get results from my prayer. We're going to look at mainly from the book of James. And James's letter, James was the half-brother of Jesus, half-brother only because they shared a common mother, Mary. But uh, the father of Jesus, of course, was God, and, uh, and Joseph was the father of, uh, of James, probably. So we're looking at that. We're going to look mainly from James, and we're going to look at how can I pray effective prayers and get results. And uh, I want to I teach us how to do that. If you're on the journey with us, I'll promise you this. This is my guarantee if you will stay on the journey, and I'm talking about stay with me in this series on how to, how to pray and get effective results, if you will stay on this journey, you will find that your prayer results 
will increase. That's a big ask. That's a big uh, promise, rather. God wants you to learn how to pray effective, powerful prayers. So James 5, the latter part of verse 16, James says this. He says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, that word avail means this. It means to turn to the advantage of, to prevail. God wants you to prevail over your circumstances or your situation. Now, you'd say, well, what situation should I prevail over? Well, anything on earth that's going down that's not lining up with heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We will look at the Lord's Prayer, uh, however, not this morning. These two guys were kind of friends, and they were uh, talking about studying the Bible. And, and one of the guys was a little bit arrogant about the whole thing, and he goes, I'll bet you you don't, you don't even know the Lord's Prayer. And the other guy <laughs> says, yes, I do. He goes, I'll bet you $10 that you, you can't recite the Lord's Prayer. God goes, you're on. So he says this. He goes, he goes here it is. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul to take. And the other guy pulls out his $10 and he goes, man, I... You got me like, I, I really didn't think that you knew it. <laughs> and you know, sometimes that's the way it is with prayer. We, we think that we know how to pray, and we pray prayers, and we pray religious prayers sometimes, and we pray things before dinner. And, and the prayer is simply the same pretty well. God bless this food, bless, you know, the hands that prepared it, and everything else. It's kind of a, a formality, but it doesn't have that power behind it. Or, or we, we, we pray, and, 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 and we pray before sporting events, perhaps, or before other events. There's formalities I've prayed before. I've been invited to come and pray for our city council at the opening uh, of the year, and it's a formality for them. And I'm like, I just want to cut loose on you guys. I want to, I want to lay hands on you. And I want to prophesy and, and, and do some things. But it's like, no, get up, preferably read your prayer out, and then we will start the session and we'll have the new year for, for our city council. I hate it. Because for me, prayer it is more than a formality. It's a little bit like the singing the national anthem before a big sporting event. What's that got to do with the sporting event? Seriously. It's a formality. And prayer must not become a formula or a formality. And so what I'm going to give us and what we're going to look at in this series is not a formula for prayer. It doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. And the reason that it doesn't work that way is because all of life, you can't separate or compartmentalize or departmentalize your life. It all flows together. It's all part of one. And as we approach this, I want you to see that, especially this morning, how to pray effective prayers. And James says this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man will turn to the advantage of uh, and give a prayer that will prevail. 
Prevail means this. It means to gain ascendancy through strength or superiority, to triumph, to become effective or effectual. That's why I've called this message How to Pray Effective Prayers. James uh, 5.16 in, in the NIV says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So if I'm going to pray, I don't want to pray weak prayers. I don't want to pray prayers that don't get results when God is saying, hey, when you pray some prayers that get results, pray something that prevails, pray something that avails, that, that takes the advantage uh, over the enemy. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Listen to this. The NTE says this. When a righteous person prays, that prayer carries great power. Everybody say power. Come on. Our goal in this series is simple. It's to learn how to pray powerful, effective prayers. Effective prayers are not effective prayers unless they bring results. It's not effective unless you get results out of it. So all prayers, not effective prayers. They're powerful prayers, and there are not powerful prayers. Now, before J James taught on how to pray effectively, he tells us something about how not to pray. And, and uh, we're going to look at James 1 now in verse 2. James 1, verse 2 to 8. He says, consider pure joy. Now, this all has something to do with the end result of praying powerful, effective prayers. That's our goal. Consider pure joy, my brothers, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, that's real life. Everybody say, real life. Come on. Real life. He's not skirting around this like trials and tests and bad things happen to good people and all these things do happen in real life. And he starts with that. Then he says, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now that is God's goal in your life. It's maturity. It's that you might be complete in Christ, that you might not lack anything, especially when it comes to your character. The character that God is after is his character, the Christ character, to be reproduced in you. That's the goal. It's not just getting uh, answers and things that you pray for. The goal is your heart. The goal is your character. The goal is that, that Jesus Christ might be formed in you. That's your hope of glory. Christ in you is your only hope of glory, to be quite honest. So the goal here that leads up to prayer is that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything, not just not lacking a car or a house or a spouse or whatever. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. What is that? That's prayer. Prayer is asking God. You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I like that. And it will, wisdom will be given to you. Here we go. When you ask, 
You must believe and not doubt. Oh, God, so hard, especially when it comes to something that my eyes see that I go, my, my eyes see it, my brain registered. <laughs> Impossible. That's not going to happen. I remember being on a platform in Pakistan. We had meetings for several uh, days in each place with a few thousand people there. And I, I remember the desperation. I mean, the paddock was huge. It was packed with people of all kinds, desperate people. They, they can't just go to the GP or the hospital there. They had people coming in on stretchers and everything else. And I, I remember this guy came up. They brought him up on the platform and I, I didn't know he was blind in one eye. And his, his, his neck, his, his head's moving around like this. I could see something's wrong with his eyes, but I thought he had a neck problem. I thought, that's good. I do neck problems pretty easy. <laughs> we could pray for that neck. I said through the interpreter, I said, I'll pray for that neck. And they go, no, it's not his neck. He's blind. He's blind in one, one eye. And I'm like, I don't do blind. I do necks. I do backs. I can do, you know, adjustments. I can do, like, chiropractor, maybe? Prayer? Surgery? Like, no, no, I got the wrong guy. I'm, my, my, my brain is scrambling. I'm thinking, I can't do this. And the point is, you can't. He can. But it's how do you shift out of your can't into his can that you believe? lest you be double-minded. How, how, how do you shift from being a doubter to a believer when it comes to prayer? That's a great question, isn't it? We're going to unpack that one. I like it. God's not afraid of questions. I'm not afraid of questions. God wants you to ask for wisdom. And I believe that we need wisdom if we needed it more than anything other than prayer. I don't know what it is. This is so powerful to think that we can actually learn how to pray powerful, availing, prevailing prayers. That's amazing. But we need wisdom to get to that. So I looked at the guy, and then I closed my eyes. So I thought, I don't even want to look. Because if this doesn't work, there's a whole bunch of people watching, and, you know, you're expected to do things, close my eyes, pray to prayer. And, and they covered the guy's, what was uh, his seeing eye, they covered that up, and, and the guy saw and read everything. He was totally healed. Like, that was an amazing thing that was way beyond my comprehension, to see a guy that was blind in one eye get miraculously healed way beyond what I could even ask. You must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. I don't know if you've ever been out there in that big, deep blue sea in that ocean and watched waves coming and, and, and flopping around, but uh, pretty amazing. And that's, that's how most of us are, a lot of us, when it comes to prayer. That person, verse 7, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. If you're going to pray that kind of prayer, if you're going to be double-minded, don't expect to receive anything. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, I want to pick up on that because it doesn't say that they're unstable in all that they say. 
here is the, the contradiction that, all, that most of us fall into and, and causes us to be double-minded. It's not that we're double-minded in the prayers that we say. Some of you can pray eloquent, eloquent prayers. You can use the name of Jesus. You can say the right thing. But this isn't about just saying the right thing when you're actually praying. This is about saying the right thing, and more than that, being the right person in all of life. This starts right back at the beginning, what what James was talking about. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. See, when a trial comes, if you're not believing God in that trial, and your mouth will tell you out every time. Or when there's not a trial and things are just going cruisy and there's no wind and sunny days, happy days. What's coming out of your mouth? Because that's what's going to tell more than what's coming out of your mouth when it actually comes time to say the prayer. We can't live one way and pray another way and expect results. This is not about a prayer formula. This is not about saying the right thing. This is not even about quoting the Bible when you pray. The devil can quote the Bible. He said to Jesus on the Mount of Temptation when Jesus went up there, is it not written? Is it not written? Is it not written? Jesus go, well, it's also written. Do you know a parrot can quote the Bible? I've heard parrots on YouTube quoting Scripture. Because you play that Scripture long enough, the parrot's going to pick up on that. He's going to parrot that. Parroting scripture during a prayer session is not powerful, effective prayer. It's too late. Your life has to line up. And so the first thing that I want to give us in how to pray effective, powerful prayers is to have the right conversation or have the correct conversation. Now you say, what what is that all about? Prayer is conversation. Prayer is conversing with God. Prayer starts with conversing with each other. (laughs) In other words, if your conversation during your week is weak, is in you're just talking trash. Is in you're just talking about all kinds of junk. And, And in all that you do throughout your week, in other words, your life, your real life, who you really are, not, not who you are in the prayer meeting. Paul said, man, you know, when you're with me, you are so powerful and everything. That's what they said about him. But then, then you're absent. He says, you know, you turn into somebody else. Like, or he said, I'm weak when I'm with you. But when I'm absent, I become very, very strong. In other words, I'm not just putting on a front that when we get together, I'm going to be real powerful. I'd put it this way, because this, this actually leaks into a whole lot of other areas in life. If you want to have a powerful worship meeting on Sunday morning, which we are today, you got to be, you got to be powerful people on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. You can't be watching whatever junk all the way through the week and talking trash about other people and and pulling people down and, you know, whinging and complaining and criticizing and all the rest of it. And then we're going to come into the meeting 
And it's all going to be up to the worship team and the preacher to pump us right up there to have a fantastic meeting and see an altar call where everybody gets healed. That's not going to happen because it goes against what God says and who God is. But if you get a group of people together, and their Monday's powerful when they're out, out there at work. You know that place that most of you go to, you know, during the week with that boss or those employees that you find it hard to get along with, or maybe you struggle a little bit, or maybe that family, uh, you know, that you're getting together with and it's not always fun, or, or maybe it's each other, I don't know. If you can't conquer out there, you can't just leave it to a prayer meeting and think you're going to be powerful or a church service and think it's just going to be powerful. Where's the fire? Where's the miracles? Yeah, where are they? Because it starts with your conversation when you're not on camera. My, my life, everything about me is transparent before God. There's nothing hidden when it comes to God. God should I teach you some theology? Okay. I, I, you know, omnipresent. What does that mean? It means God is, he's everywhere. Oh, but no, he's not. Like when I watch Netflix and that show, it's kind of borderline. You know, God's not there. God, hey, you can leave the home theater, God, because uh, I'm going to watch something. I don't want Jesus watching it. No, Jesus is there. God is everywhere. Well, God, you're not in this conversation because right now I'm about to have uh, a, a little bit of a critical time with somebody that I just want to share something called gossip. But anyway, you know, and we're just going to talk trash. And God, you can leave the room right now and come on back on Sunday when we're having the meeting because I want it to be so powerful on Sunday. Woo! Not going to happen. I want my prayers to be answered. I want to see the sick healed. Where is the God of Abraham? Yeah, well, where is he? You have to correct your conversation. You have to correct the conversations that you are having 24-7, every day of the week. Oh, this is not good news for so many because we, we just want to, we want to live our way and then we want to show up at a prayer meeting when we've got a need or somebody else has a need, and, and we're going to call down fire like Elijah did at Mount Carmel. We're going to turn the wa wa water into wine like Jesus did. We're going to fill the baskets full of fishes and, and, and loaves. No, you're not, because it's all of your life, all of it or none of it. Bad news for some, I guess, but... You came to learn how to pray, I hope. I told you we're going to learn how to pray effective prayers. So when perseverance is required, when there's trials and tests and temptations to talk trash and temptations to watch garbage and temptations to feed on everything that the world is given us so that nobody can even tell us from the world throughout our whole week, except on Sunday when we come to church and we're going to pray down fire and get prayer that gets results. No, we're not. I've been in church services before where I, you know, I look around, I think, do these people even believe there's a God? And, and the poor people, not this church, honestly, 
But, uh, but I, I, you know, I, when I do travel, we go on holidays, and I'll go to churches, and I'll, 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 I'll look, and I'll, I'll think, the poor worship team and the preacher and everybody, it's a performance. So no hands go up. Singing just lacks, just, oh, you know, it's not coming out. There's no power in the meeting. The meeting becomes a performance, and, and the singers are brilliant. I mean, I've been in meetings where piano players and guitar players and singing and everything was par excellence. It was the best, but no power. I've been in prayer meetings where it's the formality because that's what Christianity is throughout those people's week, a formality. I attend something. I spectate in something, but I don't take ownership of someone and stewarding someone throughout the week. Correcting your conversation. Firstly, think about it. What am I saying? And not just what am I saying to other people, but what am I saying to myself? Because all of us have a conversation going on in here. You're not crazy for doing that. It's just what we do as humans. You've got a conversation going on in your head pretty well every time that you're awake. And you've got something coming out of your mouth pretty well nonstop when you're with people. That conversation is the hallmark of whether or not your prayers are going to be effective and effectual and fervent. Of the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person prevails or avails. John says this, First John, he says, if any of you sin, which we all do, what do you do? He says, confess that. Confess your sin. Get, get, get washed from it. And then he says, and he is faithful to cleanse you, you a believer. First John was written to the saints. He is faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I thought we were righteous, and you are righteous, but like your white robe as you go out there in this dirty world is going to get soiled somehow. I, I usually hate to wear white, <laughs> especially if I've got a co cup of coffee in my hand. And, and sometimes I'll have a white shirt on, and I'll say to Gail, hey, what's for dinner? Spaghetti. <sighs> it's the wrong dish for me. I can tell you right now, that is going to end up on my white shirt. It's going to get soiled. It's righteous. It's right. The shirt's right. The shirt's white. But the spaghetti sauce is going to end up on my shirt. I just know that if I don't put a bib on, then uh, it's going to take some bleach. <laughs> I know it's a good word picture, isn't it? Pastor Ed's sitting there with a bib. <laughs> but that's, that's the truth of the matter. When you go out from a worship service, and, and I hope from a challenging message, and I pull no punches, I hope this message challenges you to the core. Because I, I, I just don't like us blaming God or blaming a, something about something that really we need to read the whole Bible, the whole book, and, 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 and make some course corrections, mainly some conversation corrections. Our conversation has to change in order for our conversation with each other and with ourselves throughout our week 
has to change before our conversation called prayer is going to change and become effective. Any formula, anything beyond that, it's a lie. (laughs) Whoever's preaching it or selling that is not telling you the whole truth, the truth, nothing but the truth, so help them God. That person should expect to receive nothing because they're unstable, not in what they say during the prayer meeting, but what they do during the life meetings. If not unstable, then uh, if you're unstable, you can't, you can't get anything. Now, I do not like to draw a line between a prayer meeting and my life. And when you draw a line, we're going to a prayer meeting and we're going to expect something different than the way we live, then you've made a mistake. You've got an unrealized expectation because there cannot be an inconsistency between your prayers and your life, between how you pray and how you live, between how you respond in a trial and how you approach God in prayer. I could, I could put it this way. Sometimes, you know, you watch, I've watched Arnold Schwarzenegger and different bodybuilders, and, and I mean, they got muscles, and they got no fat, zero fat. They got, you know, eight-pack and biceps and triceps and calf muscles, and, you know, they're examined, and, and, and they're in a competition, and they're all oiled up and pumped up, and they're being examined and everything else. Well, coming to a prayer meeting where, where your life is inconsistent where you've lived unrighteously, let me just put it that way, and coming into a prayer meeting is like somebody coming into a bodybuilding competition, getting up on the platform and flexing, but they haven't gone to the gym. They've done nothing. They just eat junk all week long and don't go to the gym, and there's no discipline in in their life, and they show up for the photo session to see if they're going to get the award. How stupid can you be? They're going to look at you and go, who are you? Are you the person that's supposed to wipe down the weights or something or or mop the stage? Like you obviously don't belong in this Mr. Universe competition. You can't just show up and expect a different result. I know I'm bombing this target, but I need to. We need to talk about this. We need to tell the truth about this. Not not for uh, some kind of a guilt thing, but, but definitely for some conviction because conviction is a key part of prayer. You can't pray with conviction if you're not convicted of unrighteous living uh, during the rest of your your time. So prayer is a conversation between you and your heavenly Father. It's a conversation between heaven and earth, but you need to live on earth as if you're already in heaven. Prayer is asking your Father in heaven to intervene here on earth. Send power from heaven to change what needs to be changed on earth. But if your prayers are not effective, you need to check your conversation. It's more than just your conversation with God. It's what you say when you're not in a prayer meeting or you're not in a church service. It's not what's wrong with what you say while you're praying. And, and this, is the, this is kind of like a summation of some of this is People are so worried about their words in the actual prayer meeting. Am I saying the right thing? 
Did I quote the scripture right? Was it out of the NIV or the King James Version? Did I say it in Jesus' name or is it Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? What's the, what's the right formula? None of the above. That's not the main issue. I, I've, uh, I went to a school which was part of the Word of Faith movement. Uh, some of you have no idea what that is, and it's okay, believe me. <laughs> and, and there was a lot of good stuff in the school, but I saw a lot of stuff that I thought, man, I don't know about that. And it was, the prayers were all about, can you quote the Bible? And I saw a lot of people quoting the Bible during their prayer time, but there was no power in it because they, they, they weren't living the Bible during their not prayer time. They weren't facing their situation, their trials with perseverance and, and thinking about being complete and mature in Him when it wasn't in the meeting. There's not two lives. There's not the meeting life and then my real life. My church life, the prayer meeting before church, and then my real life. Your real life has to be real and real powerful in order for your church life and your prayer life to be real powerful. It's how you live that makes your prayer effective. For your prayers to be powerful, your words must be powerful. Do you know the ancients were slow to speak? Sometimes I think we're so fast. We're so witty. We're, <laughs> we got the right thing to say at the right time. The ancients were slow. They were quick to listen, mainly to listen to God. And, and they believed this, that if they spoke forth their word, and Isaiah picks up on this. If you read Isaiah, he, he just talks about this. Be, and, and be slow to speak. Quick to learn, quick to listen, slow to speak. Because they believed that when you sent your word out, it went out in spirit form, not just vibrations and airwaves and sound waves. It went out into the world in spirit form and did not return unto you void. See, that's what effective, powerful prayer that, that prevails is. You're not just speaking words to God in a conversation. You are speaking words that you mean, that you are living, that are genuinely true to who you are out there all the time. You are quick to listen and quick to understand, but very slow to speak. We're in such a hurry. We just got to get it out. We think everybody's listening. I'll just impress them with, I caught this one. I could quote James 5. So what? <laughs> Who cares? The Word of God, it's not up for grabs. The Word of God is powerful, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. We know that scripture. And, 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 but are your words powerful? If your words are not powerful all the time, or when you're in conversations, when you're out there before the prayer meeting or after the Sunday, if your words are not powerful out there, they're not going to be powerful in here. Because you're double-minded. I could even go further. You're a walking contradiction and a hypocrite. How does that sound? Oh, Pastor Ed, I didn't come here to get that. Well, I can't help you. What can I say? 
Consistency is a big thing. We're talking about how to pray effective, powerful prayers, not how to impress our friends. We're talking about when somebody's sick that you love, when somebody has a need, and I don't know when that's going to happen in all of our lives, but it does happen. Stuff goes down in life. Anybody, anybody learn that one? And the first thing we do is we start blaming God, or we make stuff up, and, and, and it's not true. And the truth is our life is the measure, our, our life out there is the measure of our prayer life. Got to believe the same. It's hard to do something without getting results. And we need, to, we need to understand that our conversation is the first thing that needs to be corrected. I, I, sometimes I, I, I get annoyed because I want so much more for all of us, but I, I just can't, I can't preach a message that just kind of doesn't tell the truth. It's not what you say in a prayer meeting. Your prayers to be powerful, you must be powerful. Your words, not just God's word. God's word is powerful. See, sometimes we'll say things like, as we come into the presence of God, when aren't you in the presence of God? You're not coming into the presence of God. You're being more aware, I get that. But you're always in the presence of God. From In God's eyes, your life is always on display, 24-7. It's not an on-off thing. It is with us. You're not out like, thank God. I, I remember Kenneth Hagin said this. He said, how would, you, how would you find somebody that's truly spiritual? Where would you go? Would you go to church and watch them at church to see if they're really spiritual? He goes, no, because everybody can act that. Keep it up for a little bit. And he said this, and it's, it's not creepy, but he said this. He said, where, where would you go to see if somebody was spiritual? He says, I would look in the window of their house. I'd see how they treat their spouse. I'd see how they treat their kids. I would watch what they watch. I would listen to their conversation when they're not on camera. That's how I would find if somebody's truly spiritual or not. And I would ask the question, how would you know if, somebody, if your prayers are going to be effective and fervent? Uh, You've got to be a righteous person. Not just positionally in Christ, because I know we are the righteousness of God in Christ. I can quote that one. But, but that doesn't mean that you're living that. That doesn't mean that there's not room for cleansing and repentance and, and getting it right. Because the prayers of a righteous person avail much. So I would listen to what that person says and be conscious of, of their conversation because a fool is known by their many words. Matthew 6, uh, six before Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he taught them how not to pray. Same as what James did. Now, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, we'll just look at 5 to 8. He says, when you pray, not if, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues, or we could put church on the street corners to be seen. In other words, they love to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. 
When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, this is not saying that you can't pray public prayers at all. He's given us a posture here of the heart. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. And I would say just quoting scriptures and the right formula in prayer is just babbling. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. The fool, says in Ecclesiastes 5, is known by their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you have need before you ask him. I've got a point two and a point three on this message that we're going to have to pick it up next week because I want to have communion. I want to have a time where we would let God examine our hearts, that we would do something that's really old school, not fashionable at all in today's stand-up kind of services, (laughs) that we would have something called repentance, that all of us would make some serious decisions effective decisions so that we can see effective prayers and that God and the church and everything else doesn't keep getting a bad rap when it comes to unanswered prayer or excuses. And we're going to see that when it comes to effective, powerful prayers, we're going to see that God expects that. God desires that. God God wants results when you pray. He wants results. He wants you to draw down from heaven, but you cannot do that if your life is inconsistent. I bombed that target. I know that. I hope that you get it in whichever way that I said it, and don't replace it with some other theology, because I said what I meant. I meant what I said, and it's God's Word. So we're going to have a time right now uh, of communion with God, and that's what the, uh, the bread and the wine is. And during each of these meetings, during this series, and I don't know how long it's going to go, I want to have a time of prayer. I want us to prime the pump. I want all of us to begin to increase our prayer life with our righteousness and our character and our being complete in Him life throughout the week so that we can come to a place where we come together and we get into agreement and we see heaven move on this earth and we see revival come so that we can see results, so that we quit asking the question, why aren't the people, where are the miracles? Where is this and where is that? Where are you? Not on Sunday, but on Monday, that we can see results. I want to see results as a corporate body, as a church, and I believe that you do too. I believe it starts with repentance. I'm going to pray a prayer because Perhaps you're watching online or perhaps you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. The starting point of that is to turn from your old ways into him. And that's, that's what repent means. It means to change your mind. So we're going to have a time right now where you get to turn from you, repent, and turn to Jesus and get saved. And that's the starting point. Most of you have made that decision, but we're also going to make a decision to repent from whatever's not of God during our real life, our week, so that we can turn to Him and see power effectively in our prayer life. Amen?
So why don't we stand together? This too is not a formula, but um, a chance to get saved. So I'd like you to pray this prayer with me, even if you are saved, for those that watch online and for those that are here that might not know Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer. Say this after me. I turn from my old life, doing it my way, to him. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.